0: listening to The Clambake, a KBGA podcast, with your host, Madeline Broom. Thanks for tuning in to KBGA Missoula 89.9. My name is Madeline Broom, and I am the host of KBGA's newest podcast, The Clambake. Join us here every week for important conversations with community members. We'll be talking about Missoula and the university's most pressing issues. This week's episode is all about the ZAC's Artist and Performer Relief Fund. Kia and Mikayla from the ZAC talk about the need they saw in their community for a specific fund to help the Missoula Arts community. Later, I speak with Jesse Blumenthal and Sugarbush, who were the first two to be randomly selected to receive a $250 grant.
1: Thanks for sitting down with me, and um, can you both introduce yourselves? My name is Kia
2: Lizak. I'm the Executive Director of the ZAC, um, and I've been the Executive Director for a little over eight years now.
3: And I'm Mikhaila Vies, and I'm the Marketing Events and Outreach Coordinator for the ZAC, and I'm coming up on my one-year anniversary.
1: Ooh, congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Uh so for anyone who has not been able to um interact with The ZAC before um known kind of colloquially as The ZAC but also uh the Zootown Arts Community Center um do you want to give maybe a little description of i guess during business as usual um what The ZAC normally does We
2: are a nonprofit community art center with a mission to um cultivate community through accessible arts for all And we do that in a variety of different ways. Um, We're located downtown and we have um, an extensive education program for youth and adults. We teach music, visual arts, sculpture, drama, really, you name it. We do after school arts education for youth um, every day in the school year and then uh, over 21 summer camps in the summer. We have a printmaking. studio, which is really exciting. So we teach a a lot of our adult education is based on printmaking, but uh, we also offer other types of adult ed classes as well, such as Drink and Draw, um, which is a partnership with Western Cider um, and a lot more. Um, We have the Zach Showroom, which is an accessible space for community events, uh, everything from music to plays to, um, public community gatherings to comedy shows and it's about a 200 capacity seated theater, 400 capacity standing. We have multiple art galleries uh, including a youth art gallery, a sort of a community gallery, and then a uh, regular gallery. We have a paint your own pottery studio, we have a small artist shop, we have an interactive youth play area, we have a full music school and a community recording studio, <laughs> and we have um, affordable artist studios that we rent out to artists, as well as other arts organizations, such as um, the Big Sky Film Institute rent space from us, and they have their headquarters in our theater space as well.
1: Yeah. And how long have you all been downtown? So we moved
2: downtown at the end of October. We spent really the last two years purchasing and remodeling the building and raising the money, and we were finally able to open, I think it was, yeah, the end of October.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, congratulations. I love, I love the um, downtown space, and as someone who lives downtown um, and as a student, you know, it's, it's nice, and it's easy and accessible, and KBGA, I should say, um, for everyone listening, has done a lot of stuff. Um, with the Zach, we were supposed to hold our big um, end-of-thon celebration there, but, uh, but uh, the coronavirus cut our big celebration short. But we're hoping to, um, to be back there when everything's uh, safe and opened up again to, to celebrate with you all. Us too. We're, we can't wait. I know yeah we're trying to figure out a way to do do something big I imagine people will be um excited and really ready to celebrate when uh when it's safe to do so so we're excited but the reason that I wanted to sit down with you all is because you have started um an artist and performer fund so I don't know if um one of you kind of want to describe describe that um and then maybe talk a little bit about um
3: about how you came up with this idea or what need you guys were seeing or hearing about? Um, well, it was Kia's idea, but I'll just <laughs> <laughs> um, So the ZAC the actually, I mean, part of our mission, since we cultivate a uh, community through accessible arts, um, part of our mission is to actually support artists normally. And we paid out almost $10,000 since we opened downtown in artist and performer uh, fees and we were unable to really do that while we were closed without something like this. So Kia um, asked uh, Missoula United Way if they'd be willing to donate uh, the funds to, to get it going, and they did. So we started with five thousand dollars, and um, were randomly selecting two people every Friday to uh, to win the grant. Two of the applicants.
1: And how much is that, is that grant? It's $250. And how does that compare with, with say like an artist fee? Cause I mean, I know I've shown things for example, and you know, taken no money home, you know, so I know that it can, um, you know, it varies by artist and per show and like what you're showing and stuff. Well,
3: at the ZAC we were paying out for most musicians an average of $300. So it's pretty close. Um, I think with um, with visual art, it's a little bit different. It depends on how well-known you are and how many pieces you sell, but...
2: Yeah, I think for a show, but then often it's $250 might be a share of, you know, for a whole band to split up or something too. So I think that it, it, it's it's based on a percentage of the door. So I think that $250 feels kind of like, you know, a a paid gig for somebody Um, that maybe they missed out on and we would love to give more we just starting with only $5,000 we wanted to make sure we could reach as many people as possible and we didn't want to do it's felt with a lot of the relief funds that are out there a lot of them have sort of felt like this anxiety producing first-come-first-serve basis and if you're not sitting at your computer the moment that it becomes available and you press send then you're not gonna get it and We wanted to sort of take a different approach than that. And that's why we decided to just keep it open and do the random selection every Friday um, for the applicants so that we could just spread it out a little bit more. And obviously if we can raise more money, we'll add, add—you we'll do three every Friday or more than that. Or maybe we can um, offer a little bit of a bigger grant. It just depends on uh, the response we get
1: what kind of response have you been seeing um, from artists? I'm thinking um, applications and that kind of stuff.
2: I'll let Mikaela get this one because she goes through, through them.
3: Yeah, we have several dozen right now. Um, they keep coming in every day. Um, and we want as many people who feel the need to apply to, to do so. Um, we definitely, if, if people, if there's people out there, and I think this might be happening a lot, There's probably a lot of people out there who are like, I don't need this grant because I'm actually doing okay, um, and I want to leave it for other people. Those people should also think about contributing to the grant, because it's a really easy way to give back to the local arts community without having to like directly Venmo your best friend or something like, um, you know, it's distributing your money a little bit more evenly throughout the community.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you can think about uh, all the first Fridays we've missed even already and you Mm -hmm. know you may have dropped $25 here or there. And so you could, um, you could add that into the fund. Um, Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And one of the things about our, our art fund is um, In order to apply, you can be a visual artist, a performing artist, you can be a comedian, you can be someone who's taught a class at the ZAC, you can be really um, someone who's sold jewelry. So we are asking that it's, that someone that if you apply, you've participated in the ZAC in one way or another over the last 10 years. But really, as a community arts center, we've really had thousands of artists of all kinds participate. And so this is a nice way to kind of open it up to a variety of different artists. Even if you've baked a cake for one of our events, we think you're an artist and you can apply. Like we really, um, it, it really showcases it's not just going to be visual performer, comedian. you know, it's so it's, it's, it's hitting a lot of the sectors of our creative community for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. And when was this? fund created, I guess, how, I know you, have you, um, awarded only like the first, the first pair right now. Um, but when was this kind of starting to get off the ground?
3: Really recently. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like three weeks, two and a half weeks ago. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. It all, it happened really fast. Thanks to the yeah. amazing, um, support and generosity of Missoula United Way and uh, them being able to recognize that there would be a value to the Zach distributing some of this money um, and their trust in us to do that. Uh, we, as soon as I sort of had the idea and brought it to them, it all happened pretty fast, but it has only just been a couple of weeks. So we've just started, we only had one Friday so far since we made yeah. the announcement. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I guess I was trying to contextualize because Michaela, you had mentioned that you've had um, about a dozen um, applicants. So I was just, just kind several
3: of... Dozen, several, like, dozen. Oh, like, several dozen,
1: several dozen. Oh, several dozen. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was trying to think. But, and, and, then this, and this is a pretty small community. So that is um, quite a large number, I think, would think, probably for our, for our population.
3: Yeah, right now we have almost twice as many applicants as we have funds. Wow. So, if yeah. you can think of it that way.
1: Yeah. That. Yeah. So that would be many, many dozen. I am and not that good at math, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so the need the need is clearly there, and I did see um, the place to donate on on your website, and so that's something that people can think about. Um, you know, yeah, if, they, if they're feeling okay during this time and stuff and in wanting to give back, that's definitely um, an option. How have you seen um, artists being supported or being included um, in the kind of state and federal relief? Do you, do you find them being, you know, kind of left out of the conversation? I do know um, with the pandemic, unemployment assistance, um, like gig workers, and freelancers are are included, but I still think that's, you know, I've gone through, I've applied and stuff, and there's a couple boxes, and sometimes you don't know exactly where you fit.
2: Yeah, um, I can speak to that. Yeah, I think it. I think it can be. I think it can be really challenging, especially um, if you're an artist and you're you've been relying on. Um, Steady gig work or commissions from sales, and sometimes the just the income reporting can be difficult. I think on some of those applications, um, and especially if you you know when you apply for unemployment and whatnot too, you if you have. A lot of it is about listing your employer. Well, if you have a bazillion, you've accepted payments from a bazillion different people in a bazillion different ways and different galleries and different venues, it can be really complex and I think harder to fill out. And then if you have to, anything that requires an extra phone call and requires, you know, being on hold for four hours (laughs) can also make it challenging. So I think while while there might be some assistance out there in the end, I definitely think that there are quite a few more barriers uh, to artists in in accessing them.
3: Yeah, and I mean, especially people whose art wasn't their primary source of income. You know, they don't, they're not getting compensation for those, for that art, because it wasn't really... You know they're just not they just don't have the ability to perform and they don't have the ability to show their work.
1: Yeah sense. you might not have set up like say an LLC for you to be paid as a freelancer but it still might have been um, what was helping you make those rent payments. Right mm-hmm.
2: and the other thing I really wanted to do um, was to make the fund just for Missoulians and for that reason was because I'm seeing I've seen a lot of artists relief fund sites pop up but so often they're they're not um they're geographic and they don't apply to anyone from Montana and just having run this act for a long time and knowing what it's like to apply for grants there's just we're geographically isolated here there's a lot of money out there that just we don't we can't apply for because of our geographic region. So I wanted to make it something that was just specifically for this group of people that is kind of left out of a lot of other types of funds.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's hugely important. And I, I see that, you know, there's um, there's big museums and institutes, you know, in some of the larger cities, but we have um, a large creative artistic community here. and. Um, and we don't have as many of those, you know, large institutes. I mean, things like the Zach and the, um, you know, Missoula Art Museum do provide a lot, um, but, you know, we don't have anything like the Met, <laughs> you know, like we're not, we, Montana's definitely not New York City <laughs> by any stretch. Um, I'm also kind of interested in how you think that, um, and I don't know if this has been something you've kind of been pondering, but how the pandemic will kind of affect um the Missoula art community um and creatives here because I, I don't know I think we've we've heard a lot of people kind of giving their uh perspective on on how things will change when we come out of this and I think it is hard to kind of guess um but I'm wondering if you've thought about that or how um you know things look like for the Zach when we come when we're back to business as usual, so maybe I should say, you know, when we have a vaccine, I'm thinking like when everyone does feel, you know, truly safe, because I know we're in the beginning of phases of of reopening, and a lot of people have different opinions about that, but.
3: I think that the Missoula Arts community is really persistent and will not give up no matter what I mean, it's already, it was already hard to be an artist in Missoula before the pandemic. (laughs) I don't think that it's, you know, I mean, it's still, it's, it's harder now, but they're, they're used to hardship. And I think that the creative spirit of Missoula will stay very much alive through however this plays out. That's what I think. I don't know. Yeah.
1: And
2: I mean, I think, I I certainly think there are financial challenges ahead for all of us. Um, I think it's going to be a long time before, I mean, for us it was just interesting timing because we moved downtown and we were seeing just these record nights of thousands of people for First Friday and, you know, just this really, it was really fun to kind of see everything getting ramped up and our, our event space was getting booked you know more and more each month we were coming up on our biggest month yet and then we had to cancel everything and it certainly is um certainly is financially difficult um, and i think that there will be some recovery from that that we'll see um some places hurt for sure and some artists uh hurt for sure but i also think there's been a great opportunity through this whole thing for all of us to come together. I've felt like I've talked more with other arts leaders across Missoula and artists in the last couple months than I ever did before. I think um, there's something about a disaster that causes us to also come together and kind of be creative and, and, and create new ideas. And that's one thing that we definitely have under our belts is creativity. I mean, we built the Zach in the first place out of almost nothing. (laughs) So we can resurrect again.
1: (laughs) And I think people are turning um, towards art more now than ever. I know it's given me the chance to try a few projects um, that I just may never have had the time um, or even thought of, but you know, now you have, you have more time on your hands and time you may have spent uh, you know, even commuting to work, (laughs) you know, now you're, now you have it at home and stuff, and um, I actually made myself a loom out of a giant piece of cardboard, and I cut slits in it, and I strung it, and so I'm trying to, trying to do some little projects like that, and so I imagine um, that a lot of us are, and I've, I've seen a lot of cool new projects um, coming out from a lot of Missoula artists um, in the last few weeks, so it is definitely um, encouraging to see people still creating and stuff.
2: I agree yeah. with that. I think Missoula was kind of already on its way to a creative renaissance and I think this pause, uh, um, I'm hoping the positive side of me is definitely seeing this as an opportunity for massive amounts of creativity and creating work for sure.
1: Yeah I'm excited for when we all get to um gather together again, um, and, and tell each other about the, about the projects. And I imagine we'll be, you know, we'll probably all be gathering, you know, whenever we we can, um, at the Zach looking at some coronavirus gallery or something, you know, and, and just the cool creative things and seeing people being creative, you know, when you don't have access to maybe, um, the studio where you were creating, um, your things in for a long time. And, and everybody's had to move home into their sometimes cramped uh, areas and stuff.
2: So um, now we've got a coronavirus art project going right now. Michaela you want to talk about it?
3: Yeah, I mean, um, so May is Last Best Print Fest. I don't know if you know about Last Best Print Fest, but um, it's a it's an annual month long event that's dedicated to printing, and um, normally it would be live, and there would be you know print demonstrations, free print demonstrations at the Zach and a cool art opening with like um, dozens of portfolios um, from, from local and regional printmakers. But we did it this year, we just did it online. And um, we, we also did it via the mail. So this woman, Krista Carlton, who a, who's a local printmaker who works a lot at the ZAC, produced 175 postcards that she printed um, with like a cool graphic in the front with the intention that people would manipulate it so we sent them out to 175 people and we're getting some back and they're amazing (laughs) we had no idea that they would be this cool um right Kia like they're I mean I don't know yeah and they're
2: both art and commentary there's a place to write commentary Mm -hmm. and it's just it's really like I feel like I feel so excited about them and I feel so excited about displaying them and also as something that will be archived that we can look back on and remember this time um, later. I think they'll be really special for doing that. And it, the response we've been getting really inspired us to want to do more stuff like that for sure. There's always opportunity for art that no one, that will, art will never be shut down. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. And I think it's so important now, you know, cause we're all trying to process this, you know, definitely extraordinary um, event that we're all going through. And I think um, the whole uh, planet doesn't go through many things together, um, but this, this is one of them. Um, and so I really think that we will be looking back and understanding this and processing it um, through art, whether it's stuff that we've created or, or stuff that others have, have created and inspired us. Is there any place online that um, that printmaking um, project can be found or will it be put up because I can um, I can link that uh, for anyone who's interested in checking that out. Um,
3: Well, the Last Best Print Fest is on our website and there's lots of activities that go along with it like Last Best Print Fest Bingo, which is this really fun um, internet challenge you can visit all of our sponsors websites and find our featured artist's print, Bev Beck Gluckert, um, and you have the chance one hundred dollars. Hundred dollars, so so yeah. Get on it. A hundred dollars plus a print, a beautiful print from Bev. Um, and then there's a couple other. There's we have a a live auction that goes through the end of the month of of each of one of each of the prints that were submitted this year. So that's really cool. People should check that out. But the postcard show. We're hoping to open live, and this yeah. Late
2: and, but summer. we might we might put it on our website as well because we've kind of gotten used to putting our shows on our website now, which is fun. Mm-hmm. And I also wanted to add that there are a lot of um, printmaking demos that we have made that you can okay. watch on our website that are just ten minutes or so long, and they're they're all geared toward making art at home with the things that you have at home and doing printmaking at home. And I think um, there's an opportunity to learn a lot. And we really want people to subscribe to our YouTube channel because we're uploading videos all the time now that um, people can learn to make art from at home.
3: Kia's made some really good videos. (laughs) (laughs) I only made one video. (laughs) Everybody needs to get on YouTube and welcome back.
1: (laughs) <laughs> well if, if anyone's listening and is interested uh, in trying out some at-home printmaking um i will be sure to um include links to all that because i think i think it's people are generally getting used to this at-home thing and i you know i think we're in the we're in the swing of it and um and i know some of the projects i've started i'm already finishing you know we've been we've been in this long enough so Um, yeah that's that's really exciting and I think um, it's it's been really fun to watch the Missoula community um, create community and ways to gather and and feel together during all of this Um, because like for example my mother lives in a suburb and she couldn't even figure out where to find a mask and all that stuff and I was like well, Missoula has a, you know, a mutual aid group and someone just posted and I just commented and I said, "Ooh, can I have one? You know, so it's been, it's been really exciting to see the, the Missoula community come together and the, the Zach's definitely a big part of that. I I think,
2: (laughs) yeah, when we go through things like this, we definitely get to see the power of having a tight community and what, I mean, I think that there are a lot of community builders in Missoula and I think when we're faced with challenges like this we really get to see the benefit of what all those community builders all that work really means and how it can make a huge difference in how we can face these types of challenges for sure.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, So that was most of the questions I had Um, but I'm gonna throw it back to both of you to if you wanted to say anything feel free to plug anything for the Zach
2: um yeah I just like to say I I'm I um I encourage all artists and performers to apply for this fund um I know that even if you feel like right now you're doing okay I think it's going to be a a long haul for artists and performers before things get back to normal and if you're like me I'm kind of right now applying for everything and putting everything in savings just because I don't know what a month or two is going to look like down the road. And so I would really encourage everyone to apply that um, qualifies and then hoping that uh, the community will support this fund too. It goes directly to artists. So the ZAC is just taking all, we're just, you know, the processing fee for the credit cards and things like that. So, I mean, Really, it's, um, it's 98% to artists or 95%, I think. Um, and then we are planning on reopening a portion of our facility on May 30th under the guidelines. Um, it will be, we will be very strict and keeping people safe and social distance and practicing wearing masks and cleaning and everything. But we do, we will be opening our paint your own pottery Studio portion of the ZAC and the Artist Shop and we'll be rearranging things a little bit. So feel free to come and and visit us. We will have, um, we'll be making it really safe for everyone and we love to see some faces as we start to reopen and we'll be obviously following um, the news to see what happens every day and we'll see where we're at, you know, as far as opening the rest of the facility or shutting down again, depending on what we learn.
1: And I had seen that um, the Zach was doing, you could like pick up, you know, you could like order online, I think it was, some pottery um, and uh, paint it at home. But you know, I (laughs) have that space in the Zach and it's quite nice, sorry. Yeah,
2: we'll continue to do that even, and it'll actually, with us reopening just a little bit, it'll make it even easier to do that too. So people that aren't ready to really venture out yet too, they can just stop by and we can make them a kit to go. Um, and we're going to continue that for as long as we will probably continue that forever, actually.
1: <laughs> it's fun, fun new things, um, you know, have, have come out of this too.
2: <laughs> totally. Michaela, you want to add anything?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, our art shop is also online. So if people feel like they want to support local artists that way, they can do that. Um, and... Yeah. And what are we
2: doing? That, what are we doing today?
3: We're I mean, drawing a pet, this is, right? is, is going to air on Saturday, I think.
1: Oh, yeah, it will. But, <laughs> it will. but, um, but if you, I if can you want in our to. episode notes, the okay. most recent um, awardees.
3: Yeah, we'll be choosing on Friday, so you can look for that okay. for those two new. Yeah, for every videos. Friday. So,
1: um,
3: although some Friday. some people you can apply anonymously, so that may happen, hmm. but we might choose someone who's anonymous, but yeah.
1: yeah. Okay, well, I would
2: just say watch our Facebook and watch our website, because we are doing, we are offering a lot of at-home stuff, so we're doing, we're still doing drink and draw at home, and we're doing, um, you know, as we're still really working hard to provide fun things for the community, so just stay posted on all of our Instagram and we're pretty active on all of those sites. So just, uh, yeah, be in touch in whatever way you can be. This, sat-
3: this Saturday is actually the day that we want the whole community to do sidewalk chalk. So. Ooh. Well, everybody get out and, and draw on your sidewalks. If you're listening.
1: Yeah. Listen to this and and draw. You can do both of them at the same time. That's <laughs> we have headphones <laughs> <laughs> because you can listen to KBGA online. It doesn't have to be um, on your radio, but podcasts
2: go. go great with art making.
1: Well, um, Thank you both for, for sitting down here virtually with me um, and chatting a little bit about the um, Artist Fund. Everything that we've talked to about will be linked um, so that everyone can, can find it um, and apply or, or donate. Awesome. Awesome. Thank okay. you. Thanks, All right. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening. If you're just joining us, you're listening to KBGA 89.9 Missoula. I just spoke with Kia and Michaela from the Zuton Arts Community Center. We discussed why they decided to create a fund for local artists and performers. Next up, we'll hear my conversation with the fund's first two awardees. First up is Jesse Blumenthal, a local artist and educator whose career has been significantly impacted by the pandemic.
1: So if we could just start off by having you uh, introduce yourself, however you
4: want. Uh, My name is Jesse Blumenthal. I'm a sculptor and educator in Missoula. And I've been in town for about four years now. And my practice is split kind of between community engagement through education, uh, mainly that being industrial arts workshops, and my studio practice, which is... um, more, well, the projects I'm working on right now are mostly sound-oriented, uh, and uh, the project that I'm pursuing right now for a solo show at the Holter in the next couple of years is the Sonic Ecosystem Project, which is, um, we can talk about that later. Okay.
1: Well, yeah, I'll definitely make sure to ask you about that, because I'm uh, definitely curious. What brought you to Missoula?
4: Uh, I came here to get my MFA. Mm-hmm.
1: And did you have like, a specialization um, with your MFA?
4: Uh, the MFAs in art at uh, the University of Montana are general. And so I came here for a multidisciplinary approach, but I am generally a metal sculptor. Uh, metal art is my background, metal fabrication and uh, blacksmithing. It's particularly architectural work was what I was doing before graduate school.
1: Okay. And how did you get into that? Is that something you found uh, when you were younger or did you have like a mentor or something?
4: Um, Funny and funnily enough, I got into that all through snowboarding. Uh, I was a semi-professional snowboarder all through high school and into college and was like a freestyle coach in, um, in high school. And a lot of that was involving park snowboarding on a resort. And so the features are made of metal Mm -hmm. and snow, uh, but mainly metal. Uh, And so I got into that through snowboarding. I wanted to fuse snowboarding and art. So I was making sculptures that were jibble, sculptures that you could snowboard and ski on top of, uh, and kind of highlighting the performance aspect of that and the urban element brought to a natural setting. Uh, So from there, I went into working um, in the terrain park industry and was a terrain park foreman for eight years uh, for Crested Butte Mountain Resort in Colorado and uh, so half my year was spent fabricating for winter environments, and then in the summers I would blacksmith uh, for, you know, the multi-million dollar second homeowners that are in a resort community.
1: Yeah, that's super cool. I'm actually um, a ski instructor up at Snowbowl, and I grew up um, racing, so we were kind of pitted against uh, the snowboarders, but (laughs) <laughs> but uh, yeah that's
4: snowball has a little bit of a different attitude towards everything
1: Oh yes <laughs> i i love working at snowball because um you know even people coming from more of a race background which can be very strict and uptight um you know everyone's very chill and so it's it's teaching me to to relax and every turn doesn't have to be perfect
4: <laughs> definitely we love snowball there's a lot of uh imperfection that goes a long way there
1: oh yeah yeah no i love it um so what does your I don't know what is your art and your creative process and stuff look like uh or what did it look like before the pandemic and are you able to are you mostly a full-time artist would you consider yourself
4: I am a full-time artist um I work mainly from commission to residency to grant opportunity and uh this past year You know, it has been my first year as a full-time artist without a day job, without a W-9 or a W-2 coming through, Uh, lots of W-9s. Anyway, um, so it – the winter – it was a really good year. Uh, The winter season generally for an independent artist is kind of application time, and I invested pretty heavily into my applications this year – seems organizations have transitioned towards everyone charging a fee and that's how they pay for uh, the off season months of their organization basically and get them into the throes of things. And so uh, for whatever uh, that's worth, that the cost has been shifted to the artists quite a bit in the last few years. And uh, so I invested pretty heavily this winter and have not really seen a return from now that the pandemic has canceled basically everything. Um, I had one last public art opportunity that was holding on in Carbondale, Colorado for an installation because it was just going to be me and a machine operator. Uh, So there's quite a bit of social distance there. Um, He was going to be in a machine. he didn't even have to get out. Anyway, uh, that was canceled this morning. Uh, um, Yeah. It's uh, my practice before the pandemic would look like a cyclical process where each winter you're applying for things. And then as spring and summer, comes around, you're executing all those ideas that you've put in motion, um, traveling to residencies, executing grants locally. Uh, what I do a lot of is uh, grant writing for community workshops. So working with groups like uh, Girls Represented in Trades, we were going to do a workshop with them and uh, looking, working with groups like uh, Missoula Urban Development Project, there was going to be a project with them. The flagship program, I had some programming with them uh spark arts learning um i'm still doing some remote programming with them but uh there was a bunch more in-person work uh i've lost a residency that was in the midwest i mean so the the list goes on and on so the pandemic has really drastically affected how an art independent artist can continue um especially someone that's engaged with the public so drastic so much you know it's uh, yeah it's interesting times
1: yeah, especially because it sounds like, you know, you just were able to quit the day job.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I th- feel like the my graduate career did give me the time to devote to really accelerating my career as a studio artist and as an independent educator, and someone looking to, you know, I was lucky enough to be able to teach at the university and help that pay for graduate school, and uh, you know, gain some more experience in that, but I was looking to push what the uh, post post-secondary institution can offer to this community. And my wife and I bought a house here. We've, you know, engaged in put all our, put in some roots here in Missoula since I've been here. And I was li- really hoping to explore that further. Uh, so yeah, it it, it is uh, disappointing that the pandemic comes at such a, at a time where I feel like things were, had some really good momentum.
1: Mm-hmm. So are you, so it sounds like you're worried about maybe losing some of that momentum because it really sounded like you had a lot of a lot of stuff lined up and especially because you you know you were mentioning kind of like the cyclical process and stuff that you have um, this might set you back for you know next year and and you'll have to wait possibly you know quite a few months even if say uh, come fall everything is safe again um, to go out and kind of be together as we were before. And, you know, that's all still up in the air, but
4: yeah. I mean, even if it's safe in scientific terms, that's not necessarily what is driving uh, what I do. I mean, everything, what I do is community oriented to a point where I, you know, we're engaging with each other in a very intimate manner where next, you know, you're next to people, you're able, you have to put your hand on someone's hand to help guide their tool or show them how it's best can be, Uh, safely done. Um, And especially with things that are more, let's say like hot fire oriented, like blacksmithing, foundry work. Uh, These are environments where you're going to have to hand a hammer or a tool to another person quickly. And in the moment, you can't wipe that tool down in between. Uh, So it really comes down to like uh, personal or perception for the public and whether or not people will feel safe to be in those environments. And I just don't see that the fear that has been stoked in the public evaporating that quickly to a point where people want to engage in concerts, they want to engage in festival type atmospheres, they want to uh, pass tools to each other and stand next to each other and laugh and make art. Um, I see it shifting drastically how workshops are approached within the community.
1: Does that make you worry about, um, the types of art that maybe it's harder to make remotely? For example, I have friends who, um, you know, they're ceramicists and that's something that's really hard to set up that kind of studio in your home, especially, um, if you live in a smaller apartment, um, and then they haven't had access to their studios because it's, it's a shared space. And so, you know, a painter might be able to, you know, paint at home and stuff, but you can't really, it's harder to blacksmith at home and it's harder to do ceramics. And there's a bunch of things that's harder to do at home.
4: Yeah. I mean, it's always been a balance about working in industrial arts and loud, messy media. You're going to have that fight of uh, not pissing off your neighbors and also keeping some studio practice at home. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's very difficult for People to set up and continue in those kind of media that I think are very tactile, uh, very rewarding, and I think that the aspect of collaboration that comes into particularly working in scale is something that you don't get in other media and is very valuable as an experience. I mean, that's certainly why I've dedicated my life towards it. And so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a hard time to. Uh, to be an artist working in those media. Um, I'm jealous of the painters, for sure. Uh, And I just, uh, you know, people say that, oh, creatives can shift. And so now is a beautiful time for creatives because creatives are just that, they're creative and they can creatively make anything out of any situation. Um, And that is a perspective. And certainly I do agree with that to a certain extent uh, that everyone has shifted, but to expect a, creative to completely shift their practice due to a pandemic is um short-sighted you know it's like asking a uh it's like telling a baker to jump on the line you know and start cooking or you know they're not the same thing you know you don't uh they're separate disciplines you know and so uh yeah i'm very jealous of the painters Uh.
1: So I don't I don't know when you started this project, but you had mentioned earlier, um, let me see if I'm remembering the name correctly A Sound Ecosystem. Um, so that sounds like maybe something that's a little, little bit easier to do at home. I've definitely been having a fun time trying to explore the world of um, audio at home because of course KBGA has a beautiful, nice studio on campus. Uh, but of course I started a podcast uh, at home where All I have is me and my laptop. (laughs) So do you want to talk about that and kind of how you are trying to be creative while stuck at home?
4: Uh, Sure. I mean, yeah, my practice is, uh, especially with the Sonic Ecosystem Project, it's a lot of experimental foundry. And so I often rely on communities that are external to Montana. And with travel being cut off, uh, it's been a hard pill to swallow on how to make that work still and to keep those ideas flowing. So I've uh, shifted for better or worse towards more, uh, to smaller works that I can make in the studio and also to more commission pieces because I just, uh, having lost uh, the grant and residency opportunities and public installations which are ready to go. So I've, some of this work has been made on spec uh, and now being stored in my yard for to go to a street corner in Colorado or street corner in Wyoming or, you know, in Billings. These are all places that work was supposed to go and um, has now been canceled this year. Uh, so with all this stuff being built on spec, it's difficult to, to uh, continue on down that, la- that lane without uh, that support. And so, uh, yeah, I've just been focusing more on commission work and doing smaller furniture items and smaller sculpture, uh, res- experimental research for friends. Uh, but yeah, audio is something that is certainly, uh, will keep you going. The radio station is a beautiful place to turn for uh, companionship in hard times. There's a person that's there. My, even if the, some of the shows are recorded, a lot of times uh, it's a person that's putting their effort into that and putting their effort into that creative expression. And so there's connection there. And so I do think that, yeah, audio is a, is a beautiful place to turn right now. Um, and I have been doing some experimentation with that. But uh, the Sonic Ecosystem Project is more about uh, feedback loops and how they mimic ecosystems and natural environments. And the, that storyline and that narrative arc to that feedback loop and how that builds just from environmental sound and, um, that's captured and fed through... FM transmitters and receivers into sculptures. And so the sculptures are often quite large horns um, and variations of that, uh, that to shape the sound, the physical wave itself. And so it, that project is something I'm thinking a lot about. And um, I don't want to undervalue the time that the virus has given us to think. Um, and I will say I probably express some frustration in Uh, respond some of my responses to like how my practice has shifted in all of this but uh, I will say that just having time to work carefully and really think and be intentional about your path forward is something that is very valuable Um, and so having a loss of social connection is certainly hard at times emotionally and mentally um, and financially (laughs) Um, but I do think that having that time to turn inwards and uh, focus is valuable, um, whether it's you know valuable enough in the end for fascism to reign supreme, i don't know uh, you know, but we can all just cross our fingers that this is what the fall of capitalism looks like
1: it'll be It'll be interesting to see what our our systems look like after this because um, in my mind, really, it seems like it's still a toss up between um, everything changes and everything stays the same, so
4: yeah, I think it's really important that we don't go back to normal and that we move forward instead
1: mm-hmm. yeah, I mean I think uh, progress is typically typically good um, not necessarily capitalistic progress, but you know the evolution of society
4: <laughs> uh, well yeah capital. Capitalism has kind of stolen the term progress to mean something that it isn't. Progress can just means that moving forward. Um, Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean financial Mm -hmm. progress or it doesn't have to be rooted to the same uh, system of goods and exchanges that we've had. Um, I Mm -hmm. think that, you know, now that so many people are unemployed and that we are at a rate of unemployment that is at the same as the great depression and granted, Uh, we have not been in it for 10 years, like the great depression lasted, uh, and I don't foresee that happening out of all of this, but you know, no one knows at this point, but in anyway, there's, there's been lots of opportunity for people to shift towards their neighborhood. I think I've been able to meet my neighbors, um, better than I would have, you know, there's been more opportunity for me to engage with my neighbors, um than I would have otherwise, yeah. um, just because a lot of us were more at home. So we're, and, you know, spring comes around, everyone's working on their front yards and all that. And, uh, so it's you know, easier to engage in your immediate local community because people feel safer within their tighter bubbles and they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what that looks like as we move forward, if we can become more community centric and uh, really help each other out, I think then a lot of positive can come from all of this.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah I was really fortunate uh going into quarantine um I already knew a couple of my neighbors um I have a large balcony on the front of my building that spans like a number of units, so it 's really easy to to be socially distanced but still chat and stuff and that has been like priceless during this you know because now besides my roommate, my neighbors are kind of the only people um that I'm actually having a conversation with. I mean, I go to the grocery store maybe once a week, but um, my conversation, which is now longer with the cashier than normal, (laughs) you know, it's not not the same. So yeah, I've really been uh, appreciating my neighborhood um, more so than I had before. So that's been really special.
4: And yeah, Missoula is a really special place for that too. I feel like people want that sense of community and neighborhood here. That's why a lot of us are here. Um, it's why we stayed here and why, you know, I feel comfortable calling this place home. And, uh, so, you know, and why places like the Zach exist and, um, you know, I, before we get too far away from that or too far into this, I do want to say thank you to them. Uh, and that's why we're talking and for from yeah. their support. And, uh, I do appreciate it. You know, I, um, It is a a small amount, but it it, it really is the sense of uh, support and giving that comes from that, that is reassuring in a time like this. And there's a sense of validation to continue um, and keep making and keep focusing on this and not... uh, wind up bagging groceries at Rose hours, you know, on the front lines of the pandemic for $10 an hour, you know, thank you to all the essential workers. So mm-hmm. there's that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's a, that's a good, good transition. Um, how did you hear about um, the relief front fund uh, from the Zach? Cause um, you and um, and Sugar Bush, a local comedian, uh, you were both the first uh, kind of randomly selected uh, wordies. So you must have got your application in there, in there pretty early.
4: Uh, someone posted about it on Facebook. I think that's what it was. Um, yeah. so, you know, uh,
1: I have found Missoula runs off of Facebook. Some, is, yeah, live in some communities problem. don't need it as much and I'm like, I don't think that's how I know what's going on.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's some value to social media in this yeah. time for sure. Uh, I've been able to uh, sort through all the things that I value and do not, and then sell the rest on Facebook marketplaces or Craigslist as well. So I think there's, uh, you know, some value in a smaller town to, uh, you know, a smaller town. We're still a quite large city in comparison to, you know, majority of the region, uh, but you know, some place that has a town feel. And so I think that actually is reinforced to a good degree in social media because. Uh, you're able to be friends with your friend group on there and they are all are engaging in similar activities, whether, you know, be creative activities or, uh, you know, shopping deals or whatever it may be. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, the grant uh, currently is about um, $250. Well, not about, it is. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, the, it's not, uh, you know, it's nobody's rent payment, but, or uh, mortgage payment, but um, yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit more about like what that, that kind of means and what, um, what it's allowed you to do, or even just uh, kind of the symbolic meaning or, you know, I mean, yeah, local, know. Com- a local relief fund?
4: Um. I think it's, um, I think it's great that there is a local relief fund and that an arts organization that is also suffering in a time of, and is in a time of need right now themselves, is able to look to the creatives as uh, a community that want to support and make sure exists uh, and and try and ensure the sustainability of that community is a noble gesture. Um, And I think that's really what it comes down to. I'm not going to lie and say that $250 has uh, enabled me to do anything that I w- wouldn't have before. Uh, but I will say that it is a reaffirming gesture and it is really validating to have a local arts organization can, you know, value your work as an artist, whether it be randomly selected or not. And, you know, just value you as a creative and give you something and, um, even if it had just been a social media share or something, you know, it, it, they're giving something, they're trying, they're giving what they can. Um, and they're encouraging you to make. And so I think that that's uh, very valuable to, you know, there's, the, it looks, it says they have five grand or something like that. Right. And so there'll be 10 of these, give, you know, to 20 artists, 10 of these giveaways. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, and, they're, and I know they're hoping to grow the fund, because this was kind of, quote, seed money, you know, from yeah. the United Way of Missoula, um, and then they're hoping to build it uh, with donations from those who are able to do so. And so,
4: yeah, it's a, I guess it's a breadth versus depth argument, um, but it's, you know, really great that they are able to spread, it, spread the love around and uh, promote those people that are making in this community and do need this. Um, you know, it may be a small amount of money. Um, it may be, I've uh, suggested that it's more the gesture that's important, but, um, $250 is still $250. I mean, it, it got me a lot closer to my bills this month. You know, it's, um, it's, it's not insignificant in the, in times of need, um, especially for artists who often have lower overhead by design. Um, you know, when when your lifestyle isn't as valued in a capitalistic system, you have a lower overhead by design if you're trying to live that way. (laughs) So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: well, I am looking at the time and, um, I think we're kind of closing up, um, but I always like to kind of uh, throw it back at you and see, you know, and just if you have anything else you want to say before uh, we stop at least the recording.
4: I just want to say that, you know, to any listeners out there to continue to support your creative community, look to uh, the artists online and on social media that you can find to support them. If you have... Small, funky things that you need fixed and repaired, don't discount your creative community to do something that's uh, more industrious as well. Uh, right now, we're all in times of need. And so turn to people like the Missoula Time Bank, for instance, and look at how you can get the services that you need without a, uh, the same sort of fiscal contribution to that system.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, well, thank you for for sitting down um, and chatting.
4: Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Now, here's my conversation with Sugarbush. He's a local comedian and
5: actor. My name is Sugarbush. I am a local Missoula comedian, actor, tour guide, and general Missoula art weirdo doing all kinds of fun performance-type things around town.
1: What would you be doing if we um, weren't in a pandemic, um, if it was business as usual?
5: So uh, when COVID showed that it was a clear threat, I had yeah. about six or seven gigs canceled, and that was just for the month of April. Wow. Uh, in addition to a play uh, that I was going to be working on uh, in collaboration with the University of Montana Theater and Dance Program, um, all of that got canceled, uh, right about now I'd be getting ready for, uh, summer shows. I tend to book shows and take them up to Whitefish in the summer, and we perform at the Great Northern Bar there. Uh, I've done shows and Helena for Pride in years past, uh, when the timing worked out for me. So if the timing worked out this year, I would have been going there. Um, preparing auditions for different plays and acting roles and things like that. Uh, yeah, that's, most of what would be happening, writing more jokes. I've not really been writing a lot, but.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what has it been uh, looking like for you For you now? Are you still taking the time to create? Are you giving yourself a little bit of a break, a mix of
5: both? I would say it's a mix of both. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a full-time student in the BFA acting track, uh, as well as working anywhere from like two to three jobs, including comedy performances and improv performances. Uh, So I'm always running around, and not having anything to do was really weird. It was kind of relaxing for a little while, and then it got weird. Uh, And most of what I do with, like, writing jokes uh, comes with, like, interactions with people. So I'll be out in town, hanging out. Something will happen. I'll be like, oh, that's a funny take. Like, I almost got ran over. Here's a funny joke about how I almost got ran over on the way here today, and how they always wave at you afterwards, and how apparently waving means I'm sorry, or... or, (laughs) talking with friends and like you know I hang out with other comedians a bunch and so much of us writing jokes is we're just talking and one of us says something and we riff off that for a little while and that's like all right yeah that's a great new joke okay. So you know I'm my roommate's a comedian so I've been doing a bit of that but not nearly as much as I would have otherwise.
1: Mm -hmm. So then how did you hear about the Zach's uh, Artist and Performer Relief Fund?
5: So Sarah Aswell who is a absolutely fantastic comedian and writer. Uh, She runs Revival Comedy here in town and works for Submittable and has traveled around the country doing different festivals and whatnot. She's brilliant and has really changed the way comedy in this town works. It's a much more inclusive setting now. Um, Like, we, you know, I have no statistics to back this up, but I would say that Missoula Comedy probably has more women per capita than most scenes in the country because of the work that Sarah's done. And she posted to one of our Facebook groups that we have about the uh, grant and said, hey, I think most of you all would uh, fall into, you know, the demographic for this. Uh, You should all go apply. And so I did.
1: What kind of impact has that had on you? Um, I mean, when I was talking with like Kia and Mikaela and and stuff, they were saying that, you know, it sounds like you would have had a handful or more um, gigs, you know, each month that we've been locked down so far and the fun um at least right now is only about they were saying like one gig equivalent hopefully you know everybody fluctuates that definitely doesn't make up for um all the gigs that you like lost or or changed i don't know if you what kind of impact has it had for you uh
5: yeah it's been great I, i will say with comedy especially in montana there isn't a set amount that you get for a gig here or there. You know, sometimes I might get up and do five minutes, sometimes I'll do 20 or 30. Um, And depending on what town I'm in, like Missoula is pretty saturated at the moment. So there are paid gigs here. None of the gigs I've done in Missoula have come close to $250, Mm -hmm. uh, which was the grant amount. Um, But the gigs I've done in Helena, or I had a gig in Bozeman that got canceled or when I go up to Whitefish, I'll make somewhere near that amount or, sometimes a bit more, sometimes a bit less. Um, but it's been really, really helpful. I mean, I have had some bills piling up that I'm not really able to look at. Um, so this money is able to help me with that a whole bunch. Because uh, in addition to you know my comedy gigs being canceled, my acting gigs being canceled, um, I also give historic tours downtown in Missoula, the historic walking tours for Unseen Missoula through the Downtown Association, and that obviously isn't happening right now either. Uh, so that's one of my main sources of income, also gone. Um, so it's, yeah, this amount of money has really been very helpful in paying off certain bills and debts that have been piling up on me without being able to work.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it's been, it's been difficult for a lot of people, especially when you're, um, you know, getting a little bit of income from you know, a handful of places and trying to make it all work. Uh, (laughs) Have you been thinking about kind of the importance or the, or the kind of the significance of having a fund coming kind of from the Missoula community for the Missoula community? Um, Because I think it really shows the, the way that like people here kind of want to care and support each other. And I don't know if you've been kind of thinking about that.
5: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the Missoula arts community is so tightly knit uh, and very open and welcoming. You know, other towns I've gone to do comedy, um, it's a a big struggle to like get your foot in the door even. And here with the comedy scene, especially, it's just anybody wants to try comedy, come on up, do your stuff. Uh, The people who've been doing this for years will even help you out with writing some jokes if you want it and help you find your own voice, um, as well as giving you shows. I used to book a monthly show at the VFW uh, before they changed management and my school schedule got a little more intense. And I always loved uh, that for several of the comedians in town, I was the person who was able to give them their first paid gig. Um, And, you know, again, didn't pay a whole lot. But if I as the promoter was making money, I was going to make sure every comedian I asked to perform was also making money. And then also with musicians in this town, there are so many local musicians that rely on that income and so many other live artists, like performance artists, that some of that you can do over Zoom, you can do like a, hey, you know, here's a performance tip what you want to my Venmo, but a lot of performance art really relies heavily on that face-to-face audience and performer interaction. Um, but I think this, Grant, to get back to your question, I've been rambling. The grant from the ZAC is absolutely fantastic because the local community here is just, it's incredible. And a lot of it is hurting right now. And so many of the grants that, you know, I've seen come seen or come across and applied for, by the time I apply for it, a day after it's been posted, all the funds are gone. Uh, And those are mostly nationwide grants. Mm -hmm. So the ZAC, the way they're doing it, A, keeping it local, making sure it's uh, for Missoula-based people, uh, for, artists who have uh, worked with the ZAC in some way, shape, or form because the ZAC really is a big center for the arts community town and for the arts community in Missoula. Um, And also then they're drawing two names every week to give the money to instead of having that fund depleted almost immediately uh, they're able to keep it going a little while longer and then they don't have to get into the you know tricky like oh who deserves it more type of a situation so I think the way they're doing it is fantastic and I'm really appreciative of that
1: mm-hmm. um do you think that um uh, artists and performers and the and you know kind of creative people who are, who are making money kind of through hustle and gigs and stuff do you think they've been a little um looked over in the support that's coming down you know from like state and, and federal government absolutely
5: absolutely um I have so many friends who are touring musicians or touring comedians or, you know, multimedia artists, painters, sculptors, anything like that. And so much of that is not included in unemployment. Um, even if you're, you know, doing everything legitimately on board and you have like a 501C3 or not a 501C3, but uh, you have business under your name. Yeah, or your I think
1: it's name. an LLC.
5: LLC. That's, yep, that's the one I was yep. looking for. <laughs> uh, and you're reporting all of that. That money isn't coming back to you. So a lot of my touring musician friends are doing like, you know, you can pay them a certain amount and they'll do a Skype call because they just don't have any other income coming in right now. Um, so it's, it's really cool to see the community taking care of itself when the federal and state government maybe is failing at helping protect the entertainment industry and the art industry.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, do you have anything that you want to see being done Um, or do you think it's like harder than that?
5: (laughs) I think the biggest thing that should be done, um, is that, you know, performance artists and artists in general, uh, should be able to qualify for unemployment based on the earnings that they have made. Um, because right now, to my knowledge, that still isn't able to happen. Uh, You know, if you're touring around the country, touring around the states, just even playing locally here in town that's just money that's lost. You can't, there's no way to get that back right now. There's no way to keep afloat when you rely so heavily on live gigs.
1: Yeah, and so uh, I guess to your knowledge, you know you're not an unemployment official, (laughs) you know.
4: Um, Not at all.
1: But um, do you believe that they're covered under the, so the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance, the PUA, because they take gig workers and freelancers but I also think, like for example, I've 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 actually applied under that um, specific, and but I mean, but the the way they phrase it is kind of vague, and it's hard to know if you qualify. And then you know, you don't wanna, you want to you don't want to be like, well, I think I qualify this for, and then you know, and then check it, and then get money, and then have you know the government come back and say like, wait, no, you didn't qualify. So I guess maybe it's just still a confusing system that even if people do qualify, they're not you know being given the information to make mm-hmm. that clear.
5: Yeah, um, I'm not super familiar with that. I know the, uh, for me personally, the only money I had received um, outside of unemployment for my other jobs was that one $1,200 stimulus check. And I got no unemployment benefits for performing in any way.
1: And I wonder um, kind of what your thoughts are on how the, you know, Missoula art community is going to look after, like after this. And I'm I'm thinking, you know, when we have like a vaccine and everything is really back to what our, you know, new normal would be. I don't know if you've kind of been thinking about that at all.
5: You know, I've definitely been thinking about it a lot uh, on a local scale, especially just with the Missoula comedy scene Because while I... I've been a part of like other art scenes in town, always as a spectator, never on stage for any of them, um, and don't know their inner workings as well. But with the Missoula comedy scene, we're—it's like I said—it's such a tight-knit community. We're all really good friends with each other, and so not seeing my friends that I would see at these shows um, has been difficult. Uh, so when we're finally able to do those shows, I have a feeling that everyone's going to show up and everyone's going to throw down. And whether or not they've been writing during this pandemic or have a whole bunch of new great jokes coming out of this or whether they're just going to get back up on stage and try it out. Uh, I'm excited for it because comedy is really one of those things where if you take a like a year long break and try to jump right back into it, it's going to take you a while to get your feet under you again. You, you kind of have to be performing consistently uh, to keep those muscles sharp and working. So... It, it's going to be great when it gets back up. We have a strong following in this town who I know is going to show up and support us. Uh, we'll be back at the Union Club and the Badland or in the Roxy uh, in as soon as we can, really. As soon as we can do so safely for ourselves, for all of those organizations, and for our audience, of course.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you think, I guess so when I'm online, I see a lot of... Um, things that both encouraging people to be, you know, like productive and creative um, during this time. And, you know, we finally, a lot of us finally have some more downtime than we may have typically been used to giving us time to, you know, start new hobbies and stuff. But then I've also seen, you know, like, oh, we're, you know, we're going through a pandemic, we're going through this very crazy experience. And if that means maybe you aren't writing that new play you know that you've been dreaming of you know kind of giving people permission do you think once we get out of this um that that commentary might change and i'm just wondering if you know uh it might be a really exciting time for those people who were able to write that new play or you know write that new script while they were um in quarantine and and those who just you know, we're kind of taking the time dealing with it, which honestly is kind of the route I'm going <laughs> personally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just wonder if we'll be as forgiving for the people who just kind of took the time to, to feel and experience kind of what we're, go- what we're going on and didn't necessarily channel that ev- all into a new project.
5: I would definitely hope so.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's my hope, so, as well.
5: And right now, there are people out there who are, you know, using this time to do great, fantastic art, uh, but not everyone is in that situation. A lot of artists have families that they're providing for, and now suddenly their kids are at home and they have to homeschool them, or uh, just anxiety and other mental health issues that they have to keep themselves afloat during this incredibly scary time uh, of self-isolation and you know, self-doubt, everything that's going on. Um, So if artists aren't creating right now, because really for any reason, that's totally cool. That's totally fine. And as someone uh, mentioned to me recently, is I actually have a play that I've been wanting to write. And um, and it, it was taking me a long time to get into it. Like I've started to get the outline down. But as someone told me, maybe this isn't the time you write the play but maybe this is the time that like you figure out how to write the play so that you can do it next year or whatever um whether or not you're creating right now as artists we're very resilient people and we're constantly taking our life experiences and putting them into our art whether it shows up now or it shows up 10 years from now i think there will be art made from this by just about everybody
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly really excited to see uh, the art that comes out of this. And yeah, and my hope is that we, that we take the time to love and appreciate and celebrate the art that does come out of it, but then not turn, you know, to other artists and say, well, why didn't you create something? So yeah, that's, that's my hope as well. And I'm, and I'm very um, excited to see how people you know, interpret, interpret this in their own way.
5: Mm-hmm. I, I agree completely.
1: Yeah. Um, so that's most of the questions I had, um, but I'm just going to uh, kind of throw it back at you and see if you had anything else you wanted to um, to add before we wrap
5: up. I mean, I just want to express very sincere gratitude for the Zach and for the local art scene here in town. And everybody supporting those type of funds, because I know that all the money isn't coming just from the Zach. A lot of community members have been donating to things like that or have been getting online, watching their friends perform music or whatever, and contributing to that through Venmo and whatnot. Uh, I've had friends reach out to me to make sure that I was financially okay and offer me a little extra help if I needed it. Uh, and I think it's so cool and such a Missoula thing uh, that we are really – taking care of each other and making sure everybody gets through this as well as we possibly can. Uh, This community is incredibly resilient and incredibly wonderful and powerful and very kind and loving and I'm lucky to be a part of it.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And then if people wanted to um, follow you so that they can you know catch your next show when we are able to to have those um, where where can they find you if I mean if you do have any public social media is like that.
5: I mean, I'm on Facebook, uh, as Patrick Sugarbush, only because Facebook made me include my actual first name and not the name Sugar that I go by in basically all aspects of my life. Mm -hmm. Stupid Facebook. (laughs) Um, no,
1: one of my friends got, he changed his name too much, and so now he's stuck as Yukon Cornelius on Facebook.
5: It's, it's kind of weird. Like, I've had I, I do my best not to get into, you know, fights on Facebook with people commenting on news articles, but <laughs> I've not done great. So I've definitely been reported a few times. For like, there's no way Sugar Bush is a real name. What is this? Yeah. Uh, so that, that popped up, but uh, they can find me there. Uh, if you get on Facebook, you can find Missoula's Homegrown Comedy and Revival Comedy. Uh, both of them are incredibly active. Uh, and Revival Comedy, uh, when we're not in a pandemic, posts a schedule every month of all the comedy shows happening in town. Um, I run Highline Comedy. I haven't really been doing anything with it, but if you find it on Facebook, it's still there, and if I, once we get back into this, if I get back into booking shows more regularly, I'll definitely be posting them on that as well.
1: Okay, well, we can link to those uh, if people want to check it out, so... Um, I just want to say thank you again for sitting down here uh, with me virtually uh, and taking the time to chat.
5: Thank you so much. I appreciate all of the effort you're putting into this. This is incredible.
1: Yesterday,
0: Friday, another two grants were awarded to Josh Farmer, a Missoula-based pianist and music educator, and John Cardiello, a local musician with the Missoula indie rock band The Wrinkles. Grants will continue to be awarded as long as the fund has money to do so. Donations can be made online at zootownarts.org, where you can also find out how to apply for a grant from the Zax Fund. Thanks for listening. New episodes will be dropping every week. You can listen to us on air, KBGA 89.9 Missoula, online at kbga.org, or listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This episode was edited and produced by me, your host, Madeline Broom. Thanks to Jazar for the music used in the Clambake. All music was sourced from the Free Music Archive.